Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except sometimes the author stops by. This month, our book is the rollicking historical fantasy novel, The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty. Our protagonist is Amina, a former pirate who had settled down to live a quiet life with her mother and daughter. But when a wealthy older woman makes Amina an offer she cannot refuse, she finds herself right back on the treacherous seas with her old old crew. She embarks on a treasure hunt of a lifetime, encountering all kinds of creatures and devious characters along the way. That's all I'm going to say for now, since this is a spoiler-free conversation. Shannon, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This book is so much fun. I would love to start with the, like, one last job trope, because, you know, I mean, it comes up in stuff like Ocean's Eleven, but it's so much fun to see in, like, a historical fantasy lady pirate novel. Yeah, I mean, that was a part of the book from the very beginning because mm. I knew I wanted it to be a book that talked about older characters, as we're, as we're called. Um, and it felt like so much of fantasy has the stories of the young things going out, finding themselves, having their adventures. And I wanted to have something that was, you had all of your, you know, your adventures, your regrets, your terrible things that you did, retired, and then came back but really looked at the idea of one less job um, and went a bit deeper about talking about what it really does mean to return to something, how your feelings on adventures and, you know, being a criminal have changed, Mm. Uh, balancing that with your responsibilities now and just the idea that you have changed. I mean, my characters have aches and pains and yet wisdom as well that they did not have um, 20 years earlier. So I really wanted to see what that would look at, um, diving into that idea a bit deeper. Well, it's so much fun. And I think to your point, like your main character, Amina, is like, she's so much fun. She's one of my favorite characters that I've read in a really long time, I think, partly because of what you're talking about. Thank you. And I wanted it to to be a joyous book. I mean, I kept getting back to that when I was working on the draft and how I wanted readers to feel. I mean, I wrote this during the worst of the pandemic. Mm. Um, so I very much felt like I I needed something light and joyous and hopeful. Um, and I wanted to give readers that as well, that it just felt like an adventure. It felt funny and humorous and witty and all of the things that sometimes I don't think we yet have enough enough of in fantasy um, when everything wants to be grim and bloody and dark. Um, I wanted something to have just a lot a lot more light. It is funny, funny to hear you say that because I do feel like fantasy often just like takes itself very seriously in a way that it can feel kind of like a slog. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think you can approach serious topics um, even with wit. I mean, it's the idea of that sort of bleak humor. Um, Mm. I worked in in the medical field before this, and it's kind of known for that. You know, sometimes you make jokes that are really not meant to be heard outside the office in the hospital. 
Um, so I wanted to kind of have that, that I could still dive into some very serious aspects. I mean, there's there's a lot of violence in this novel as well, sure. but that you have, you know, the idea of humor as a survival mechanism in a way uh, is something that's prevalent through this novel. Totally. Well, and I think too, I mean, you mentioned the idea that older characters end up having regrets. I think that's another really interesting layer to Amina where, you know, I mean, she was like a very famous, like pretty vicious pirate in her day. And to kind of reconcile that with the fact that now, especially her identity as a mother, I think is really interesting. And I wanted to have that, that, you know, she, I think she understands and doesn't necessarily fully regret the things she did. Mm -hmm. I think she understands her youth as something she did to survive. Um, And she enjoyed it. She certainly enjoyed aspects of it. It wasn't just, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to be a pirate and, you know, marry handsome men. My life is a tragedy. Um, But in those circumstances, you know, she has killed. She has stolen. She has done things she knows marks her soul in a way. And now having reflected on that for 10 years and having a child who sees her just as, you know, many many kids see their moms as this, well, when they're younger, <laughs> it's just, you know, the most wonderful person in the world, reconciling that and and kind of, am I ashamed of my past? Am I not ashamed of my past? Is that the life I would have wanted my child to live? Yeah. Do I want my child to know that I've taken lives? Um, And kind of how that would really be a little bit of a cauldron inside her of, of a lot of different emotions. Yeah, I really loved that complication around, you know, she... I think you're in a lot of ways like she is proud of what she has done with her life and the ways that she was able to survive. But then when it comes to actually explaining that to her daughter or realizing that her daughter might be interested in pursuing a similar life, she's like, oh, my God, no, 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 no. Exactly. And I mean, how many of I'm a mother myself and there are certainly things that I did in my early 20s. I was just like, no, if you could just stay at home and live safely here possibly forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah, that sounds great. I don't know, though. I think it is really interesting, too, just to like there is a real pleasure to knowing who you are and not that we're immutable at this stage in our lives, but just that we've gotten to a point where we know what we're about and what we need and how to get that. I mean, it's kind of a beautiful thing. It was very enjoyable. It was also nice to write people who had a history in a way. And not mm-hmm. that, you know, if you're 20, you don't have a history, but she's not meeting her gang of companions for the first time. I wanted it to feel like they had just decades and weight to their relationships in a way that then it was very different to write those interactions, but it was a joy. It was a joy to kind of be, not have to do the introductions, but rather the sort of we're coming back together. And it was just a very different thing. You can write humor in a way when they all know each other so well that they're, you know, can rag on each other and everything. And it was just, it was, it was different and enjoyable. Um, especially after Dave about, although I will say there was a lot of people would be like writing, Oh, are you writing about like representations of chronic pain? Cause she has this, you know, this mm. knee issue. It was like, yes, but it's also just getting knee old. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. So you mentioned Amina's concern about her soul. I I loved her faith, I think partly because she also did a number of bad things. And I just thought it was a really interesting kind of contradiction of terms. And I think it's something, especially with a Muslim woman, that I haven't seen a whole lot of, especially in historical fantasy, where her faith, her religion plays such a powerful role in her life. And she follows a lot of its rules, but she also breaks some too. And there's 
kind of a constant push and pull in a way that just felt so real and compelling and also funny and interesting to me. I think um, I've always been fascinated by the interplay of religion in both history and society and how that works with fiction. And I think we have more fiction nowadays that allows characters to be Jewish or Christian. Um, a lot of the Marvel movies, oddly enough, mm. uh, let their characters have that. But we still don't have enough Muslims, um, I think, in fiction and nonfiction in all different ways. I would, I just want to see more. But I will speak on this on sort of my own aspect. I wanted to see a character who came back to her faith. Mm. I think we are very used to Muslim characters in sort of mainstream productions as either being the woman who just rips off her hijab at the first sign of like sure. a slightly attractive white man um or like <laughs> the opposite end you have you know one bite of pepperoni pizza and all of a sudden you've <laughs> forsaken everything else about your, your religion your culture that's it that's all you needed um i wanted someone who came back to it um who felt like it was a source of strength in their life and they knew they were not perfect. Um, but in Islam, there is the idea of walking the straight path and it's something you come back to. And it's understood that you may fail, you might have failed in the past, you might be failing in the present and in the future, but you can come back to it. This idea of a compassion and mercy, I don't think um, I always see explored outside Muslim spaces. I wanted to have that really be at the core of her identity that she she holds on to that very strongly. A lot of this was pulled from, ironically enough, the original Sinbad story. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I've always loved all these the medieval tales and everything. And I think Sinbad in the West has gotten sort of turned into this like very like, you know, he's like this swashbuckling adventurer. But in the original stories, he's a merchant. Um, and it is the biggest story of fear of missing out I've ever read. <laughs> you know, he he's settled down. He's finally, he has he has survived one misadventure. And he knows he has promised God he's never going to set foot on a ship again. And then it goes back. But, you know, he was sitting at home and started thinking about all the places he could go and the new things he could see. And he goes out and misadventure happens. He tells God, I'm not going to do this. I swear, just please save me. Gets home. Then he goes out again. So it was this idea of continuous failing and trying to do better and swearing, you know, I get me out of the situation. I will, I'll live the straight and narrow and then failing upon it. That was another aspect of the sort of the history and the idea and the spirit that I wanted to capture. It's so lovely. I think it worked really well. And I loved the the fact that, like, you know, she could still sleep around. She just had to marry the guy first. Like, even that I just thought was, like, so funny and charming and perfect. Well, it was interesting because I, you know, I got a lot of there, people were surprised about that. And I think there mm. was that's even an aspect of, you know, I think we look at the very Western and very Victorian often ideas of what marriage is. And then we project that on the past, mm. where if you are looking at a society in which divorce is not only permissible, it's fairly commonplace and women can own property. You're, that offers a very different life for women. And I don't mean to sound this. I'm I have a very bleak idea of history. So. Sure. Um, but that women like her were possible, um, that there was more agency um, and sexual agency than I think we give people credit for. A lot of the, even the impetus of writing this is I had taken um, one of the women's groups when I was in, when I was uh, younger, like uh, through my mosque, we read some of these books and it was talking again about the medieval period and divorce records. <laughs> 
huh. you'd have women who would divorce their husbands because they hadn't pleased them. Um, and there would be, you know, political actors. These were especially a lot of these were very high level marriages. And there would be political actors kind of coming like, no, you can't do that. That's not good for your family. That's not good for society. And they would just be like, I'm sorry. He he's impotent. <laughs> Like divorce, you know, so it was interesting. It offered a very lively look. I don't think of, of something we project a lot on historical women. And I, I wanted to capture that as well. Yeah, it's really cool. I want to talk more about the research process for this book, because to your point, I, you know, this book takes place during the Crusades. So we're talking like 12th century. This is around the Indian Ocean, though. It's so different. You know, I think about my own like historical what I learned in college and it's all Western. It's all super Victorian. It's all, you know, Middle Ages, Eurocentric stuff. But you're bringing such a rich tapestry of of historical record. How did you research this stuff? So the history actually came first. Um, I always I love history before I love fantasy. Mm. I will confess that. Um, and I had originally wanted to go back to graduate school and study the medieval Islamic world and particularly cool. focus on the Indian Ocean. Um, but I was very interested in a lot of the trade diasporas, um, sort of not, you know, not necessarily the kings and the generals, but these regular merchants and the lives that they lived and, and how they traveled and everything. So I wanted to bring that sense of things to this novel um, because I knew and even I want I said it during the Crusades. But it turns very quickly away from that. And I wanted readers to realize that's not all that was. You know, I think we have the idea of like, there's always been this locked, there is the Muslim world, and then there is the Christian West. And it's not like that at all. It has always been both more disparate and intertwined. And that those wars would have seemed very far away from where this book takes place. You can make the metaphor of now how we look at at awful things that are happening on another part of the world. Mm -hmm. And it may touch certain aspects of our community, but it's a distant horror. And then it's sort of a distant horror that for Amina comes closer. I think we're used to thinking of the Mediterranean as this sea where people were crisscrossing and and conquering and warring and trading. But the Indian Ocean is even vaster. Um, It has far more different societies that touch touch its its shores. And it's just a fascinating um, space for me just talk about this with people they're always described to hear that you know there would have been Chinese sailors visiting East Africa by then I, we have we have some of the sources some of that shows up in the book in Amina's own heritage we would have had you know diaspora communities of, of Jewish merchants all over and also in India um I think and I was another thing I was reading some of the Indian epics that we associate nowadays with very specific locations such as Sri Lanka or such as certain coasts they had their own versions of that saying okay the Ramayana doesn't take place necessarily in Sri Lanka it takes place in Yemen because Mm. there were um Indian Indian merchants Indian scholars traders living there for at that point thousands of years so it's just really interesting I think we think we live in a very modern global age uh but it's always been like that and I really wanted to show that with this novel yeah it's really cool well and I think too speaking of Sinbad again as someone who doesn't know a lot about the mythology from that time and place it still feels very much like you're paying homage to it in a number of different ways I mean you have sea creatures there's enchanted treasures like it's just so much fun yeah and interestingly enough even the Sinbad tales are pulled from different sources there's this great 
the captain was probably fictional, but there's a great earlier, uh, this Captain Berzig of all of the adventures and tales he had collected from captains. And they do, it's these, you know, these, these ship captains saying, I went to this land where they had 5,000 different kinds of snakes. I went to this land where there were mermaids. I went to this land where the turtles were so big you could ride on their backs. So a lot of that, even those legends are pulling from stories that, that sailors would have been telling each other, that they would have been telling their families that get turned into later, you know, the scholars and the storytellers get their hands on it and, and reimagine it. But that is coming from oral tales. It's just so cool. It must have been so much fun to work on this book, I, I, especially during the pandemic. It seems like such a great way to escape what was happening. <laughs> you know, the, the research was a delight. Um, I, I have so many books from like, you know, 13th century trickster tales to criminal mm. records that are just fantastic. The actual writing during the pandemic was terrible <laughs> because I was I was doing virtual schooling and my oh. my husband is a physician. So it was some bleak That's early weird. months. Yeah. And I would, I would basically draft this between, you know, in the hours of dawn before I had to sit in virtual schooling. I even had a specific chair that had like the back was very uncomfortable. So it would keep me awake. But um, it was, you know, it was, so it was much of the research was a joy, but a lot of the pandemic part, even a lot of, you know, why am I still doing this? My, I should be taking care of my family more than I should be working on this project to the ideas of, you know, the perfect motherhood. Sure. It, it all got pulled in. <laughs> More with Shannon Chakraborty in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I wonder, it feels to me, again, again, this is from a very Western perspective that like, you're upending a lot of stereotypes, I think, especially around speaking of crusaders, like there is a European dude who shows up and he's just like really hairy and gross. And, you know, it speaks very much to the idea of colonialism and it's extremely unpleasant. And I wonder how much like were you did you set out to write and kind of like upend that stereotype? Or is it something that just became very clear to you through the course of your research that that it just was the way it was you know this is a this is sort of a complicated question and response to this because i don't like the idea of oh i should write to uproot stereotypes because to me that seems to accept the stereotypes right whereas i would rather write to center those voices you know i'm sort of writing for muslim readers first who don't have those stereotypes of themselves Mm. or their or their histories and then i kind of feel like okay if other readers have their stereotypes overturned by reading it that's that's fantastic but that's not really my goal sure um but interestingly enough when i was writing about the period i think we we project our own modern understandings of of history of the past 500 years onto the crusades in a way that i think does not allow the histor- sort of the historical reality of the people living through that 
to shine through. Mm-hmm. Um, they fought those wars and and those occupations for themselves um, and for their their own reasons. And if you kind of really dive into it, it's a far more complicated story. It's a horrific story. I mean, there is there is no disguising the awful, awful violence that was visited by the Crusaders. But peeling it back a little, um, and even the people who you know fought against them and fought to reclaim their cities. It was very interesting to learn about their own motivations for doing so rather than laying it on sort of this honestly artificially created idea of the West versus versus, versus Islam that we have invented nowadays and now portray back on everything. So it was interesting. I knew he was going to be a villain. I mean, he's a man who who comes from his own land to visit violence and steal the yeah. treasures. <laughs> from another but i did also want to look into the historical realities that would have created somebody like that because i was surprised i mean my knowledge base is more in the islamic world so i was surprised to learn like just some of the ideas of that you know these these people would have essentially not had no choice but they would have in in the novel the character's father is very taken with this call and you're sort of convinced by the church you have to go fight but also you have to mortgage your lands to us to fight. So there was just this idea of you told all these people that their souls would be in danger if they didn't go kill other people. And then also have somehow financially forced them to do this. Like there was just a lot going on there um, that I hadn't known about. Like every time I would go to look something up that I thought I knew, it went down this rabbit hole of learning more, a, a more complicated picture um, in ways that could be daunting, but it's also one of the reasons I love history. I mean, that's so cool. I just, yeah, I thought it was all fascinating. I appreciate the way you answered that. I think it's, I think it's a really interesting space that you've occupied with this book and I'm so glad it exists. And I just thought it was really fun. Thank you. Um, how do you think this one differs from your others? I mean, this is your fifth book. This is not your first rodeo. <laughs> it's not. Um, you know, I, David Bond trilogy, and then it's it's fourth companion. <laughs> but uh-huh. Is I think that of that more in terms of epic fantasy, um, mm-hmm. and that is playing with with well younger characters that are in their twenties. Um, that that is more in the mold of of epic fantasy and historically inspired. Whereas this, I wanted this to really feel more grounded in our world. Um, and I, I joked I wanted it to be completely historically accurate, except for the plot, which was a terrible <laughs> thing to say. Because, and I really should have known better. I, I I knew the state of maritime medieval research and the fact that, that that statement still came out of my mouth was very, very foolish. Um, but I did want this one to feel far more grounded and yet in terms of historical reality and, and characters in that world, but also just lighter. I mean, that's probably kind of a break for you, too, then, right? I mean, even if it was difficult to write. Oh, absolutely. No, it was it was really a joy instead of writing about young people discovering themselves <laughs> that war is terrible. <laughs> right. Essentially about people my own age um, and older, you know, kind of getting back in the saddle or joking around with their friends um, and just having that idea and, and just truly going, you know, deep into the absolute chaos that is medieval monstrosities and, and folklore and just letting that shine because you cut you. You find some really, really out there stories and out there creatures. And I was like, we're we're doing it. We're including the creature that is basically just a bisected human <laughs> who amazing. apparently tasted good. I will say that. I, I, I read about this creature, the Nas Nas. I did not include in the book that pe- there were like recipes of like, yeah, you can eat them. Oh, like, my 
god wow so many questions i have that no thank you um so there are going to be more of these right is there a trilogy planned yes this is a a planned trilogy yes that's so exciting i can't wait for more shannon thank you so much for talking with me this was such a pleasure thank you for having me and for picking the book god y'all i can't wait for you to read this one it is so much fun again the book this month is the adventures of amina al sarafi read it and then of course we would love to hear what you think you can record yourself on your little smarty phone and then email that audio file to nerd podcast at gmail.com also we have announced our july book and i'm telling you now also it is loot by tanya james it's great i can't wait for you to read that one too so like get your library holds going and we'll keep you posted about the rest of the year very soon as well nerdette is produced by me and anna bauman jp swenson builds our newsletter and brendan banazak is our executive producer we will see you on friday Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.